0: great afternoon you are in the fast lane with sarah jane and today i have a friend of mine on which i always enjoy talking to my friends but she is a psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner so that means she is helping people every single day um in several different ways so please welcome ashley into the fast lane with me today how are you good how are you I'm doing well, Thank and you me. well. I'm glad you popped on because I think there's so much stigma around mental health, and I don't think I will ever even be able to do enough mental health podcasts to get people to understand. So, first of all, I want to know why you work in this field. Like, what brought you here?
1: Oh gosh. Well, um, so I started out in the in the nursing field, so I was a registered nurse, and. I always knew from a young age, I I liked nursing. I wanted to go that route, but I didn't necessarily plan to do mental health. I always thought that I would end up doing labor and delivery and working with babies. Um, and so it wasn't necessarily until I got into the mental health, um, class in the nursing, um, you know, school that I really kind of felt it just came natural. You know, I've always had an interest in mental health and, um, you know, growing up, um, you know, that's always been there, but never really thought I would be in this field. Um, I think once I started doing it, it was just one of those moments where I was like, this is what I'm meant to be doing. And all of the pieces just kind of fell into
0: place. Is there anything you find difficult about your job?
1: Um, I mean, I think with any job, there's hard days and, and difficulties. I think what I love about my job is the relationships that I can build. I think there's misconceptions about working in mental health and particularly what I do. Um, people, I think automatically assume that it's always sad. There's a lot of, you know, of course there's times of that, but I think that's like a small piece of it. Cause I get to see the after too and see the progress made. And so, um, I think honestly, the parts I enjoy the least are more of the business side of things where it's like the documenting and, you know, all of those things. But, you know, as far as the day-to-day getting to visit with people, I truly love my job. It doesn't feel like work. Um, And I think that's so special to get to do that every day. I know not everybody's as lucky to get to do something for their job that doesn't really, you know, feel like
0: work. Mm -hmm. And do you work with people of all ages?
1: Yeah. So I work, um, kids as young as about six. That's my youngest. Um, and then up through, you know, adulthood.
0: So the reason why mental health is important to me. So anyone who's ever listened to the podcast knows that I have had therapy in the past and it was absolutely life changing. But the first time I needed therapy, I was actually in high school and I had never had any type of well, I probably had had anxiety, but I didn't know what it was. So anxiety yeah. and depression really kind of met each other my junior year. And I don't think I really told anyone at that time that I was in therapy, but people knew and however they knew. And I remember someone asking my mom, this is literally the question, is Sarah still crazy? And <laughs> it kind of hangs with me because... <laughs> I would never have said I was crazy. Granted, maybe, you know, I know there is some, there are some states of people who need, you know, more. Yeah. Um, I It's not that I ever needed to be institutionalized. I seriously just needed someone to talk to that was not a family member that could give, you know, a different point of view. Sure. Of. So mm-hmm. when you are working with someone, let's say, let's say a teenager who has mm-hmm. something like anxiety and depression that maybe have just melted together, what is the what is something that you have them work on like at home? So if we have a parent listening that knows that their child is going through this, what is something that you would say could help someone like that?
1: Well, so what I do on a daily basis, so I am less on the therapy side. I'm more medication. I get a lot of referrals from therapists and we work very closely together. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, oftentimes I will get, especially in, children, teenagers, they're already seeing a therapist and they've been working with them and, you know, all the coping skills and such, and, you know, maybe have gotten a little bit relief, but just still really struggling, whether it's the overthinking, struggling in social situations, um, you know, panic attacks, whatever that might be. Um, And they're saying, okay, well, maybe now we need a little bit more support because this just isn't enough, or we're so far past that we can't even really effectively use these coping tools because we're just so far gone in those moments of anxiety. We just can't access them. Um, And so that's kind of when I come in and do an assessment, I look at medical history, family history, you know, anything else that could be possibly factoring in Um, we'll do labs sometimes um, maybe order additional testing, but here I'm able to kind of look at all the symptoms and what's going on. Make any diagnosis, and then maybe come up with a medication if appropriate to treat that. Um, there's so much stigma against medication, um, you know, and I, I, 100% get especially with parents being, you know, more hesitant when it comes to that. Um, but it really is no different, you know, as far as any other medical, you know, conditions out there. Um, and there's so much. I think more danger in untreated mental health than starting earlier, getting a good handle on things. And then hopefully working our way to where maybe we don't need meds. You know, people think, Oh, if I get on meds, it's going to be the rest of my life and I'm relying on this medication. And that's not always necessarily true, especially when you're young and you're going through those hard stages of life, trying to figure out who you are and dealing with the pressures of, you know, adolescence. um, and so it's not necessarily something to, um, shy away from.
0: What I like is that you just said you, you don't just hand out medication. You no. have a discussion with them. You do some yes. labs, you figure out what they need. And absolutely medication is warranted sometimes. And there was a time I would say probably in my early twenties. So I got through that stage, went through another, uh, depression stage, and I was put on medication. And then one morning I woke up and I was like, I'm fine. I don't need this anymore. So yeah. I stopped taking it. I have no idea what it's like to come off, off of a, like a cocaine. Cause I've never tried a drug in my life. But I'm pretty yeah. sure this was it. Because yeah. I was sweating. I was shaking. I was like super frantic. And I had gone back to my provider. This was probably 2002 to four. Anyway, yeah. so I went back to my provider and it was, no, we need to wean you off this. And yeah. she was totally cool with weaning off. Um, I just think that it's so important that people know that there's so many different ways to deal with things yeah. like this. And it possibly could be natural. I have someone mm-hmm. coming on to talk about natural ways to do this as well. Um, yeah. It might be medication. It might be therapy. There's so many yeah. different things that you can do. So if, if you were going to say you work with a certain type of person, would would it be moms? a lot of moms.
1: I, you know, I think that's one of the demographics that I can relate to, you know, so much because I've got three kids of my own. I know how hard it is, especially working moms and stay at home moms and all of the things that go on with that. And then add in the postpartum element too. Um, And so I see lots of kids. I see lots of moms. Um, I mean, but I see a lot of men too. And, and I even have some, you know, probably older adult male, you know, like typical North Dakotan farmers, you know, which has been actually really nice to see because those are the people that tend to, you know, they didn't grow up talking about mental health and you just kind of suffer in silence and, um, and so it's been really nice to see kind of that broaden
0: a little bit. I I think that's a really good point because I think for so long this no one talked about this type of stuff. You just dealt with it. So I think about my dad, he was a highway patrolman and he saw some very traumatic things as a highway patrolman. Like kids that he knew who had passed away in accidents and whatever. And there was zero mental health resources. And look, I was very small. So obviously you know, none of this would have crossed my mind until even after he passed away. And then I start to think, oh, my gosh, he had to have had depression from yeah. the things that he saw. Like these were my brother's Absolutely. friends that he had yeah. found. Trauma. So, yeah. That is traumatic. Mm-hmm. So what would you say to someone who would make the comment, oh, they're crazy? What would you say to them in a like professional, respectful way to try to get them to understand that that is not what the case is?
1: Yeah, I hate that word because I think, you know, in terms of mental health, I mean, and just life, we all go through certain times where, you know, there's different stressors. And so there's times where maybe you do feel like you're going crazy, but you're not, you know, Um, anxiety, depression, all these things, um, they're actual medical diagnoses. And, you know, you would never say to somebody with any other chronic illness or, you know, became ill with something else that they should just get over it or toughen up or, you know, any of those things. And if you look at the research by ignoring, you know, the anxiety, the depression and just going on with it causes so many other things then, um, you know, as far as your physical health and all of that to where, you know, now you've got more problems than if you would have just treated what, you know you started with. Um, And so I'm really hoping and I'm hopeful in the fact that it is being talked about so much more, um, you know, especially I think in teenagers, um, it seems like we're talking about it more and people are becoming, you know, a little bit more accepting of it. Um,
0: But we
1: definitely have a lot of ways to
0: improve that. How about stress levels now versus 10, 20, 40 years ago? Yes,
1: I talk about this all the time. And like our expectations of ourselves, like, you know, thinking back to, we just went through like the holiday season. And when you're a parent, and you're working, and, you know, just with our daily life, I think the pace of our lives, um, the things that we're expecting of ourselves are not always realistic. And so I think so many of us are carrying around these stress levels that over time kind of feel normal to us, Um, but it's not, and we can't be expected to, you know, work all day and then we volunteer at our kids', you know, function and, um, you know, even with, you know, then holidays and looking at the Pinterest things of what we should be doing. It's like, that's not realistic for one person to be able to do and, you know, get home from work and then get all these things done and then be expected to sleep and get adequate good sleep because we've just been going 90 miles an hour all day long. Like that's not sustainable. Um, and so I feel like I have that conversation a lot and obviously like honestly with myself sometimes too, because, you know, I think we just sometimes need to remember that we need to slow down and, take care of ourselves and, you know, all these little things that feel like, um, are important at the end of the day, maybe aren't so much.
0: What about the importance of maybe being by ourselves a little bit? Cause right now with cell phones and whatnot, we are mm-hmm. accessible to anyone or anything at any time. And how important do you think it is for a person to actually just sit with their own thoughts, maybe read a book, take a bath, just take a break. Mm-hmm. How important is that? I think it's really important and
1: I think now it's harder than ever because of the technology and I think we're just so used to being like overstimulated all the time so then when we don't have that it's almost like anxiety inducing because it's like well we're not used to sitting with our own thoughts you know or it's a means of distraction um but I think those are the times we need you know as far as um you know calming down for the night and Um, being able to process through things instead of just completely you know, going from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. Um, And I think that's, you know, social media is one of those big things. And especially with kids now more than ever, I mean, it's just a constant um, source. And, you know, you find yourself grabbing your phone all the time and you're like, what am I doing? Why am I even grabbing for this? But it's such, we're just so used to doing that. And so um, I think now it's so important just being intentional with your time and carving out those boundaries and saying, okay, I'm gonna limit you know, myself to you know, this many minutes or this amount of my time in the evening. Um, and really kind of sticking with that routine because otherwise you just end up going down that rabbit hole.
0: Has it ever happened to you where maybe your husband has taken the kids and you're at home by yourself and you almost don't even know what to do? Yeah. <laughs>
1: I mean always and, like stare like oh my
0: gosh like yeah. this life. Yeah. Like, I mean who needs what no one needs me? I have this yeah. time of myself. I don't have anything to clean. Like what am I supposed to do? Honestly, yeah. it feels like you're like to me, this is how I explain it to people. I'm like, sometimes I feel like I'm naked standing in the street like. I feel so sick. Like, what am I supposed to do? I'm. I feel
1: so awkward here. Yes, I'm used to like running on adrenaline, and
0: now it's like, oh
1: my gosh, what do I do? Yeah, that's probably a sign that we need to do that a little bit more.
0: (laughs) I totally agree. So now, someone listening to this podcast, how and they're and they're thinking, I probably need some medication. I've gone through therapy, or whatever state they might be. They, you know, probably in several different states, different people. Um, How could you help them? today? So, well, I think just for the average,
1: you know, person, if you're unsure of like maybe what kind of help you need, um, if you've got a general care provider, I would say start there, you know, um, talk things over with them. If you're like thinking more of therapy, if, if that's not what you've done, or, you know, if you are, then talk with your therapist because they're a great resource. And, and probably, like I said, I have great relationships with so many throughout the town, um, of Minot. And so, you know, if, if they kind of know what you're struggling with and they can say, Hey, you know, I think, um, this person would be a great fit for you if you're thinking the medication route. And so, um, you know, just kind of being comfortable and vulnerable enough to say, Hey, you know, I think I'm ready to take this next step, um, and reach out to, you know, like I said, therapist, um, or the doctor, Um, sometimes general care is a great place to start. You know, if you've never um, seen anyone for medications before and you have a great relationship and they feel comfortable, um, you know, mental health is such a, you know, shortage area right now. I mean the entire healthcare system is, but um, we need more of us. I mean, that's for sure. So um, if you try general care and haven't had luck, then I would say, um, you know, definitely getting in to see somebody that specializes in mental health. Um, I gosh, it's been 15 years. I think that's pretty much all I've done. Um, and so I think those experienced, um, people within that realm, um, can just pull from those experiences and, um, and be a really good asset to have going forward with especially medication management.
0: Are people able to call and schedule with you directly or do they need a referral? Don't need a referral. Um, you know,
1: being in private practice, I think that's one of the benefits is, you know, there's not really a lot of hoops to jump through or middlemen to, you know, have to talk to, um, you talk directly with me. I also can communicate via email, um, because sometimes that's anxiety inducing for people is having to have that phone conversation. Um, and so, um, I do a lot through email as well. Um, and then it's nice because going forward, you know, if you are having trouble or a concern with a medication, um, you're talking directly to me. You're not talking to a nurse and then trying to relay a message and, um, you know, it's it's direct. Um, and so I feel like that, you know, helps too. Um, follow up is a huge thing. You know, oftentimes, especially in general care, people are so busy, you know, I hear, people get started on a medication, but then they they don't ever follow up and they assume that it either didn't work or, you know, if they didn't like it and then it's it's even more drawn out. Um, You know, when you start a medication, you should be following up regularly, closely monitored, making sure that, you know, there aren't side effects that you're not feeling like a zombie. You know, you'll hear people make those comments and Uh that is 100% not how you should feel on a medication. And if you do, it's either the wrong med or the wrong dose. And so that piece is so important, making sure that you're seeing someone, but you're also following up and making sure that we're doing, it's doing what we want it to do. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, I told you I, we had a timeline and the timeline is up. So I appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule today to inform people how they can take care of their mental health. Do you have any last words you'd like to say?
1: Um, No, I'm just, I'm, like I said, I'm hopeful that things are getting better. Um, You know, there's so many things. I think there's so many topics of mental health um, that we could talk about because there's just so many different aspects to it. Um, But I think the main thing is just, you know, being understanding and um, feeling like it's okay to reach out and get help.
0: I think that mental health is such an important issue, and what are some ways that client chiropractic could help you with your mental health? I do think that getting adjusted is helpful, because if you are feeling less pain, that can help with anxiety or depression, if you are just able to get up and move a little better. Movement is so good for both anxiety and depression. I also am a real big fan of the foot bath and the foot baths are so controversial for some people because well oh, you can put something in the water and make it change okay i'm sure that there are people that do that i would never do that i have seen people's range of motion significantly improve by doing a foot bath uh, i've seen chemo patients not have any side effects during chemo treatment because they do the foot baths radiation was another story um I've seen people with arthritis who haven't been able to move their toes, move their toes. I've seen people with chronic knee pain, uh, able to walk better. And I also think there's a lot to be said about the just sitting there for 25 to 50 minutes, depending on how long of a foot bath you do, and reading or listening to music or coming with a friend. That mentally, I think, uh, is really helpful as well. We have chair massage in our office. I have a friend that I refer to for people to do Reiki. Um, So I want you to know that if you do have some type of anxiety or depression, that there is someone out there that can help. So I hope everyone has a marvelous day. Thanks for listening to the Fastlane with Sarah Jane podcast. If you like what you hear, share the podcast and hit the subscribe button so you get updates on all new episodes. And we truly love feedback, so ratings and reviews are appreciated.